This time on Geek Pod Blue. They like to do art therapy at my job, but what if you don't have any artistic talent? If it's forced art therapy and you need therapy for the art therapy, is it forced art emotional damage? Warning, station is now code blue. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Geek Pod Blue. I'm your host, Hugh, and I just cannot believe the horseshit I am seeing on the news today. Alt-left, are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, we're going to move on to the show, and uh, we are going to uh, touch on some elements of uh, the current news. Our news cycle always seems to be focused on Russia these days, uh, except for the past few days at least. Uh, there is much going on there, more than just our two leaders trying to arrange a play date. Russia is an old country and has many dark corners, uh, just asking for the light to be shown on them. And some of those corners might even fight back. Now, we're going to get a little creepy here this week, and uh, you know, I hope you guys are ready for it. Today, I want to talk about the anomaly of ghost radio stations, or sometimes referred to as numbers stations. These are radio stations that appear to be owned by no one and playing some very strange and disturbing things. Now, when I say strange, I don't mean playing Jesus Jones, The Information Society, and Oingo Boingo 24-7. I would classify that as more as genius, to be honest. I mean something truly strange and unique. And we're going to begin with some stations out of Russia, starting with something called UVB-76, or as it's more commonly known, the buzzer. Now... In 1973, the first reports of a strange shortwave radio station began appearing. Um, you know, uh, shortwave enthusiasts started comparing notes. We didn't have the internet back then, so it was a lot harder to get that information around to people. But people started comparing their notes and realizing there was something going on. Now, the station was broadcast at a frequency of uh, 4625 kilohertz and was operating 24 hours a day. The station would broadcast these uh, short buzz tones, which is why it's called the buzzer, that would repeat about 25 times per minute. They would occasionally be interrupted by a voice in Russian, usually reciting random numbers or names. Uh, now, there didn't see any, seem to be any rhyme or reason that anyone could reasonably call from the words. Uh, they were infrequent, those voice messages, until about 2010, uh, when an increase in station activity was noticed. Now, this caused more people to start monitoring the station, and of course, with the, uh, the internet now being a thing, we were able to record a, a lot more of those. So there's a lot more information post-2010 uh, on the, uh, the buzzer available on the internet than there is prior. Then, on October 17th in 2016, the station broadcast 18 different messages in 24 hours. Now, that was something that was unheard of before, and people really started getting worried as to what that meant. Now, one of the interesting things about the buzzer noise is that other sounds can be heard in the background. Uh, this has led people to, to posit that it's not an automated sound, like some kind of uh, device plugged into a system or something that, that's just an electronic sound, you know, like a keyboard. Uh, but it's some sort of device placed in front of a microphone. Uh, the mic always being on has led to some interesting transmissions as well that sound accidental. Uh, there was one in 2001 where some voices were heard saying, not receiving the generator, that stuff comes from the hardware room in the background. Um, there's also been other noises heard in the background, 
uh, making people think that maybe there's other uh, stations being broadcast from the same location. Now, if this facility has a hardware room, then it's a lot more than some crank in his basement drunk on vodka and taking the piss with all the radio files in the world. I mean, this is certainly you know, something much bigger than that. Now, apparently the buzzer has moved several times. Uh, folks have tried to track it down, and uh, a few years back it was tracked down to an abandoned military facility. And uh, when they got there, they discovered, you know, all of the equipment was gone, but there was an interestingly almost purposefully placed log confirming past broadcasts so that led people to wonder you know did they did they move it on purpose uh to you know confuse people were they leaving evidence behind to kind of keep the mystery going now there's a lot of theories that have come forth um you know some people say you know maybe they're just trying to occupy the bandwidth so it's not used by someone else uh, maybe the russian government wants to tie up that particular frequency for some future potential project, and they don't want somebody jumping on that frequency and taking it over. Um, they've also said, you know, maybe it's secret codes meant for breaking encrypted messages. Now, that's interesting because I did a little reading on how something like that might work. And in the espionage world, uh, there it's very difficult because, you know, most ciphers, if it's a, a cipher that isn't random, it can be cracked by somebody. Someone out there can figure it out. And they discovered a while back that there was a way to make a cipher truly random. So, you know, basically a message could not be decoded without that specific random cipher. And one of the ways they would do that is they would take a sound bite. Now, uh, you guys may not know this, but our computers these days are able to you generate random numbers. The problem is it's not really random because it's done by a computer program that is programmed to generate random numbers. So it is something that apparently can uh, be figured out. But if you take a random noise, like let's say we recorded a two second snippet in my uh, living room uh, with my daughter going, I want cheese while the DuckTales theme song enters the second verse in the background. That two seconds can be turned into a number you know it, it can be turned into an algorithm and into a number now that particular event will never probably happen again in exactly the same way so it's a truly truly random number and unless you have somehow that two second snippet of my daughter asking for cheese in my living room you will never be able to crack the code so some people think that maybe that's the purpose behind this and other number stations which are you know basically stations that are reading off random numbers all the time. Uh, it could be that there are spies out there who have these messages and they listen into this radio station for these random codes. The, these numbers that uh, will allow them because they have this snippet of, of audio be able to crack the code. I, I don't know how that works. That's a little above my head. Uh, but it certainly was an interesting look into the world of how these secret coded messages are passed around. Um, another such theory that was uh, put forth by the, the BBC is that this might be something known as a dead man's hand. Now, that is a term for a failsafe in case a country is annihilated. And I'm going to get into detail on that now. Imagine, if you will, war breaks out and Russia is completely defeated. However, they have one last trick up their furry little sleeves. The radio station stops broadcasting its signal when the country dies. However, that signal was all that was stopping an automated assault of all remaining weapons and nuke on whatever target they may have been pointed at. You think you won? Boom! You did not, comrade. Uh, it certainly makes sense, considering that the station's been playing for so long uh, and all of the activity on there, that it could also be used for that. Now, I've read some other theories where they said maybe they are measuring how far uh, radio waves will 
fly and things like that. I mean, there's a ton of other potential possibilities, but I think these all sound uh, the most interesting. And certainly the dead man's hand, or sometimes I call the dead man switch, uh, certainly are the most interesting. And, and it kind of makes me, me worried, at least, you know, if uh, Comrade Smith forgets to uh, pay the electric bill or somebody hits a uh, telephone pole down the street... Uh, the power goes out and Russia just shoots all of their nukes at us. That would be very, very bad. Now, this is hardly the only ghost station out of Russia. There are many letter and number stations out there broadcasting random strings of those letters and numbers at all hours of the day. It's believed that those are definitely used for espionage, uh, providing ciphers for those randomly encrypted messages. Uh, a lot of those are, are pretty straightforward, and they are just giving letters and numbers, and there aren't the other coded messages being you know, heard behind the scenes. But if you think Russia has the market cornered on bizarre radio stations, you have been drinking your potatoes, my friends. These kinds of stations can be found all over the world, and we are going to talk about some of those other stations next week in our lead story. Now it's time for news about stuff that you care about. There is a lot of will they, won't they in the news this week. Uh, will these actors be in certain roles? Will they not? We're going to start off with Daniel Craig. Now, Daniel Craig's come out and said he is going to do a fifth Bond movie two days after saying he was not signed on. Now, there's an interesting story about that. Uh, when he was asked immediately after doing the last Bond film, uh, they asked him two days after he was done filming, and he basically said, fuck that, I, I don't ever want to do another one of these again. Now, I'm sure that that's a very, very grueling shoot. And uh, you can understand, he'd be kind of dragged out and worn out. Now, he came out on the uh, late-night talk show uh, circuit this week and basically said, you know, he felt kind of bad about that because he was not in a good place when he was asked before. So that definitely informed his decision to go ahead and do one more because he kind of wants to end it on a higher note. Next up, Samuel L. Jackson says he has not signed up for any more movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, he does have a nine-picture deal, and he's only completed seven of those. But currently, he is not scheduled to appear in any of the films on the current slate. He is not going to be in either of the Avengers movies. He doesn't appear in Thor. And uh, apparently, nobody has told him he's actually in Captain Marvel. Even though at San Diego Comic-Con, they came out and announced that he was going to play heavily in that movie. Now, I think it's a little odd that, you know, you don't let Samuel L. Jackson know that he's going to be in your movie, and out of all the movie stars you could potentially piss off... He would be at the top of that list not to piss off, I would imagine. You know, right there next to Chuck Norris. So I find it very interesting that he's not aware that he's supposed to be in this film. We'll have to see how that story develops. Um, also, uh, as far as we're going to talk about people who are supposed to be in movies or aren't supposed to be in movies, Ben Affleck. Now, he came out this week and he said that, again, he's going to continue playing Batman. Uh, in uh, the, the feature films after the Justice League. And he said, you're going to see a different kind of Batman. He said the, the tenor of this Batman is different. Now, apparently he's a little more chilled out. He's, uh, I don't know if he's more at peace or not, but it's a more heroic version of the character. Now, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe Batman's Catholic and he was able to do a couple crosses and Hail Marys or whatever they do after murdering all those bad guys in Batman v Superman. So maybe it's all okay. But, uh, regardless it's definitely a change that we need to see and uh, i mean i'm looking forward to maybe seeing you know him as a not crazy batman interestingly uh enough to note though 
Casey Affleck came out this week and was asked about Ben doing, you know, the next Batman movie. And he's like, no, nah, I don't think he's doing that. So you got to wonder, does Casey Affleck just not have any clue what's going on? Or does Casey Affleck just uh, like messing with us? Or maybe he really does know something that Ben just will not publicly state yet. I do find that kind of interesting. Um, next up, everybody is suing AMC. I'm thinking about getting in on it as well. Uh, as you know, uh, AMC was sued by Frank Darabont, who originally, uh, he didn't create The Walking Dead, but he developed it for television. You know, took the comic books and created a TV show out of it. And uh, they're nearing the end of that lawsuit. He was suing the uh, producers and everybody involved, basically stating that they had a, I'm looking for the word, a dirty distribution model. Basically, the idea is this, because AMC produces the show and sells it to AMC, they're able to actually sell the show at a much higher rate than they normally would, so they can report lower profits. So imagine this. This is like, uh, let's say I have my house, all right, and my house is worth $70,000. Well, I sell it to my wife, who lives here already. For $140,000 and she's able to report all of that interest or whatever on her taxes uh, but she's basically able to say hey I paid a lot for this this property so you know I shouldn't you, I know you don't get money back on things like that but I was trying to think of a good example on the fly but you know basically you know I she doesn't really need to pay that much and they don't really need to pay that much because they're cre they're making the show as well as distributing it but what they're saying they're doing is they're selling the show for a much higher rate than they should so they can show lower profits and pay in this case frank darabont much lower profits uh his percentage is much lower because the profits on paper are lower well now a few other people have joined in including gail ann hurd who's the executive producer of the walking dead and robert kirkman who is the creator of the comic book and executive producer of the show um that's some pretty crazy stuff now apparently this is common when a show gets popular it happens to a lot of tv shows so apparently there must be a lot of dirty uh, tv executives out there we don't know that it's going to actually affect the production of the show. I am sure that AMC has the television rights for that show locked up. So even if all of those people walk away, I'm sure there's nothing that they can do to stop them from continuing to make the show. Now, it might make the show crappier, uh, but I certainly don't think it's going to stop it. And, uh, you know, if AMC really is, you know, cooking the books and not paying their fair share, I mean, it's been the, the highest rated show on cable TV for five years running. I mean, really, give these guys the money they deserve. You know, these these percentages cannot be that much. Not so much that it, you're going to have to cancel the show because it's no longer profitable. And these people have really put their heart and soul into it. You know, you have the top show on cable. Um, act like it. Anyway, also this week, Tom Cruise busts his ass on the set of Mission Impossible 6. And I don't know if you have seen this video, but I did. Uh, and it was pretty crazy. Uh, Tom Cruise was performing a stunt where it looked like he was jumping from building to building. And uh, the official news release that came out today says he broke his ankle and they're uh, going to suspend production for six months while it heals. Uh, that's kind of interesting because I thought maybe he busted all of his ribs because he goes and makes his flying leap from one building to another and lands like, you know, how in the movies they always, they don't quite make it. They land with their arms over the ledge and they have to scramble up. That's what it looked like, but not on purpose. He hit it pretty damn hard. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that they had uh, ropes tied to him and, you know, the kind of ropes where they can lift you up and all that. So if he really wasn't supposed to hit that wall like that, 
uh, I'm really surprised because I mean, with, with that kind of wire foo stuff they do in the movies, I mean, they could have made him jump 50 feet without him actually having to do that. You just have to sell it. So it looked pretty painful to me, but I didn't realize it was his ankle. Uh, it's definitely interesting, though, that he's a big enough deal to them that they will just stop production for six months rather than work around it. I don't know. Uh, lastly, this week, HBO leaks itself. Uh, HBO has accidentally put the sixth episode of the seventh season of uh, Game of Thrones out to the public. Uh, what happened was yesterday, the Nordic and Espana HBO platforms accidentally posted the the episode. Uh, while it, they were up very, very briefly, of course, the internet happened, and the pirates grabbed it and copied it and sent it all over the world. Now... HBO has been the subject of a huge hacking controversy right now, but in this case, you know, it, this was definitely on them. It was not an inside job or anybody doing anything shady. They just made a mistake. Um, so kind of got to feel bad for them, but interestingly enough, low-res versions of the last couple episodes have come out from this hack, and last week, again, they set a, a live TV uh, ratings record for the show. So this certainly doesn't seem to be hurting them one bit. It actually seems to be improving things as they finish up the season and head into their final season. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, I actually am going to wait until the premiere because I want to see it in high def. I don't want to download some standard definition copy off the internet. But uh, I, I am definitely looking forward to it. And I got to tell you, after, especially after this last week's episode, if you are not watching Game of Thrones or you gave up, Man, have they kicked it into high gear this year. It is as good, if not better, than it's ever been. And it's definitely moving much faster. Almost too fast in some cases, because I wish, knowing that we're winding down our journey with some of these characters, I wish we had more time with them. But it has been fantastic so far, and if you're not watching, I urge you to jump on the wagon. But hey, that's just my opinion. Your mileage may vary. And it is time to see what the mail person has brought me this week. Now, that's an interesting word, mail person. I can imagine that this was being recorded from the White House rather than my rev quarters. There would be a long monologue that followed about how uh, the host missed the good old days when it was called the mailman. It was a man who delivered the mail. When a man's world was wearing short khaki shorts and short sleeve shirts in the summer carrying around a giant purse full of letters. And, you know, that's a job that only a man could do, obviously. I am really glad this isn't recorded from the White House, and I am very happy with my male people, uh, all of them. Anyway, we're going to start with Nick Mormon. Nick, webcam Nick, has sent me in some questions. He says, I know it's a ways from now, but are you ready for the Doctor Who Christmas special? Are you excited for the first and 12th Doctor to interact? Nick, I am uh, ridiculously excited, and it's almost as if uh, they knew that losing Doctor 12 was going to be uh, very difficult, but what better way to soften that blow than with something we've never seen before, something we'll probably never see again, uh, a meeting between the first and the current doctors. Um, I mean, while we did see uh, the first doctor appear uh, briefly in a uh, he was in a limited capacity in the three doctors back in the 60s, and then again in uh, the five doctors in the 80s. I think this is, I mean, we're, we're at a level of writing for Doctor Who that's far beyond what they did before. Uh, this is going to be a very, very special treat, and uh, David Bradley is an amazing actor. Uh, if you haven't seen him, I mean, he's 
Game of Thrones. I believe he was in Harry Potter, too. Uh, the Strain. Uh, just an amazing, amazing man. And I just can't wait to see what he's going to do uh, with the First Doctor, considering he's already played him once in the biopic of the First Doctor, William Hartnell. Next question. Did you ever watch The Office? Because it's awesome. I did not watch The Office, uh, Nick. Uh, partly because I uh, I watched the uh, the British version first and didn't have any desire to watch the uh, the American version. Uh, while it may have been better, I mean I know some people say you know Ricky Gervais um, is an acquired taste. Uh, I generally prefer the British version of stuff over the American version of stuff, and I really didn't like the British version, so I really didn't think that the American version would change my mind too much. Uh, also, the uh, the guy that plays the, the main character, and his name escapes me right now, but I haven't really liked him in anything I've seen. I mean, you know, to each their own. Some people like different kinds of comedy. Uh, next up, if you weren't married, who you date Jessica Jones? I think he meant to say, would you date Jessica Jones? Uh, that depends. Are we talking to, you know, 40-year-old Hugh who has his shit together? Uh, or are we talking, you know, uh, 18 to 34-year-old Hugh who uh, was kind of a wreck? Um, kind of a wreck. Hugh would probably jump on that train uh, just long enough to, you know, get destroyed because I'm pretty sure she would kill me. Uh, now, no. Uh, only because... Uh, that's just destined to be bad. I mean, I think you've got to be Luke Cage. You need to have impenetrable skin to survive that relationship. Uh, Nick, I don't know how much dating you've done because we've never talked about that kind of thing, uh, but uh, women can be crazy. I happen to be married to one that's not, and I know some that aren't, so I'm not saying all women are crazy, but uh, potential crazy along with the ability to throw you over a tall building, not something I want to mess with. And finally, he said, and I'm glad Michael Blah has learned to not talk about me anymore. Don't disrespect Black Jesus again. Wait a second, Nick, are you Black Jesus? Because you're Black Jesus, I'm Geek Pod Jesus, we need to start a church. I think we got a thing going here. Next up, we have uh, Al Sedano has sent in a question. Hello, Al. He says, Hugh, are there any comic series that have intrigued you but you haven't read yet? Um, yes. Uh, I believe there, there's one called Southern Cross, uh, which uh, is written by Becky Cloonan, who's a good friend of Jeff Watkins. And I've loved her stuff on Punisher, and I've really wanted to check that out. Uh, I just... You know, I, I it's one of those things, you, you go to the store, you see it, you check how much money you have, and you're just like, yeah, not this time. Uh, I don't even know what it's about. I've purposefully uh, not learned anything about it because I'd like to be surprised when I finally get around to reading it. Uh, I'm trying to think, are there any other comic series that I can come up with off the top of my head? Now, I mean, I think that's really the... It's not fair to call it a white whale or something like that, but that's, that's the one that I always keep telling myself I'm going to get around to reading that series. Um, I'd also really like to get around to, you know, actually reading the full run of Spawn. Um, I've tried a few times. I always get distracted. One of these days I'm going to do it. Uh, next up, Paul wrote in. He said, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to not thank you, Al. Thank you, Al. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and your busy life because you produce an awesome podcast too so uh you know it's i like the fact that you take your time to send me a question i really appreciate that now we've got paul writing in he said uh, subject line of this is too fun not to do again questions from the other half of geek pod what group of fanboys slash girls do you simply have no tolerance for ah uh, that's a good one I am really not a fan of those that say something that happens now 
invalidate something that happened previously. While there, there certainly could be exceptions to that rule in general, uh, if I'm watching a long-term TV show or I'm reading a comic book long-term, uh, a good example, okay? Uh, we'll go back to Doctor Who, okay? Uh, when, at the end of Season 2, when uh, the 10th Doctor and Rose were separated, I mean, it was a very a sad moment, you know, that brought tears to everybody's eyes. It was romantic and sad and everything all at once. Now, some people have said that having her come back uh, for the 10th Doctor swan song and come back uh, previously uh, for uh, the end of the world, I think was the episode, uh, they said it kind of took away the emotional impact of that uh, particular scene. Now, I'm fairly certain when I saw the end of the world, and uh, I'm fairly certain that I, I did not sense a disturbance in my timeline, that they did not go back in time and change how I felt when I watched that particularly emotional scene when they were first separated. Um, that didn't happen because that can't happen. Now, you can say it dilutes it, you can say whatever you want, but it can't ever change what you felt the first time you watched it or read that, which is the point. So if they make changes down the road, that's absolutely fine. Some changes are for the better, some are for the worse, but it's not possible for them to, them to dampen the emotional impact of something that happened to you previously. That's just not possible until we get time travel. Next question. How great is Al? Seriously, yeah, I, I got. You know what's funny too, is I've had so little uh, interaction with Al. Uh, it's almost like I don't know him. Uh, all I know is Paul raves about him. Uh, he's got his podcast, uh, Resurrections and Adam Warlock podcast, and but I don't think we've ever actually spoken outside of of this. You know, we need to to do a, a Skype thing one of these days on the main show, Al, so I can actually uh, have a chat with you. Oh, next question. Ooh, should we do a GeekPod slash Resurrections crossover? Well, I certainly think we could, but only if we make it run 12 consecutive episodes and reset everything at the end. Nothing's actually changed. Next question. What's that funky smell? Have you checked your drawers? What? You don't smell that? Really? Okay, these are getting silly. What? You don't smell that? Uh, not, not from here. I cannot smell your drawers from here, Paul. Admit it, you liked saying twat waffle. Actually, I say twat waffle all the time, Paul. In fact, uh, that's one of my favorite words for my dogs, but twat waffle is definitely in my vocabulary, so that was nothing new. Uh, and the last thing he has, new Warriors TV show, must-see TV or no chance in hell. Uh, well, Paul, I, I don't know that I care that much. I mean, I know that you've read these characters, so you're a little invested in it, and you were upset about some of the choices they made in casting. Um, I've never read New Warriors, uh, and I mean, and not to, uh, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I, I don't really give a shit about it, so will I check out the new TV show? Maybe. If I check it out, will I give it a good, honest chance? Absolutely, I always do. It might end up being fantastic, uh, but it's not something I'm invested in or excited for. You know, I, I could really take it or leave it. We'll just have to wait and see. So I want to thank you for the questions, Paul. And we're going to move on uh, to our final letter of the week. Of course, this one comes from Mr. Michael Blah. It says, Alan, I'm not Laura. Don't spread those kinds of rumors. Well, Michael, my, my name isn't Alan, it's Hugh. Alan is my last name. I know you don't pay a whole lot of attention, but, uh, you know, the little things. I call you Michael, I don't call you Blah. Anyway, questions. Who's the better magic user, Stephen Strange or John Constantine? More skilled? Absolutely Stephen Strange. Um... 
more, I don't want to say effective, but here's the thing though. If Stephen Strange and John Constantine went up against each other, Constantine would come out on top because that's just what he does. Um, even if he has to sell his soul to do it, he will find a way. Break the rules, uh, sacrifice somebody he cares about. Uh, you know, he's just, he's like that. And uh, while that's not necessarily a endearing character trait, it, it does say to me, if you put uh, two of the greatest magic users together, I mean, Doctor Strange is probably going to follow the rules. Constantine has none. Who would win? Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers, or Ash? I mean, that's easy, Ash. Of course Ash is going to win. Uh, only because he, he is the only fictional character who conceivably could take those three uh, horror movie icons down. All right. You can't ever have Jason beat Freddy permanently or Freddy beat Jason permanently or Michael Myers because you can't have one of them better than the other because then, you know, it says, you know, well, your horror movies aren't as good as ours. Hey, we all love horror movies, so let's just love all of our characters. But if Ash beats them, well, that's okay because that's what he does. Uh, next question. Does YouTube Nick still have trouble with that STD he kept asking you about? Uh, well, Michael, I'm not sure. Uh, Nick doesn't keep me up to date on all of his uh, personal issues like that. Uh, I, I would say if you want to know, I mean, certainly reach out. I'm sure he's willing to discuss this STD with the person that gave it to him. That's just my opinion, though. And uh, finally, I saw some of YouTube Nick's artwork on the book. I think he means Facebook. Why does he waste his time with the video camera if he actually has real talent he could cultivate? I don't know. I actually agree with you there. Um, we don't generally agree on things, Michael, but uh, Nick does have actual real talent. I've seen some of the pictures he draws, and I'm kind of like, oh, shit, I wish I could do that, because I have zero artistic ability, uh, which if you uh, notice the cold open this week, um, this week again, my uh, our weekly meeting that my night team has at work, um, one of the weeks is always art therapy, and I always dread that because I need therapy for art therapy because I sit here. I have 20 minutes to draw something. I sit here the first half trying desperately to figure out what I could possibly do. And then when I finally pick something, it comes out horrible because I just can't draw. But yeah, um, Webcam Nick definitely has some serious talent. Uh, I think he should maybe try putting up, uh, I don't know, maybe doing some comic covers or doing something with some color and maybe seeing if he can sell it in some conventions or something. I mean, we have a big convention coming up in Syracuse soon, so I don't see why he shouldn't take a swing at that. Give it a shot, Nick. You never know. You might find out your fan base is really interested in buying your art and could be a new uh, revenue stream for you to increase uh, all the money you may pour into making webcam Nick t-shirts. I don't know. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Thank you, everybody, for all of your letters and your thoughtful questions, even you, Michael Blah. I just want to remind you guys to tune in next week when we are going to put Black Jesus and Geek Pop Jesus into Kitchen Stadium and see whose cuisine reigns supreme. Till then, tuck and roll, kids. Geek Pod Blue is a Geek Pod Network production. Executive producers Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Concept created by Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Intro is Opportunity by Jameis Breed. Closing is Bucket by Jameis Breed. Both licensed for use by Dennis Johnston. Want to help the show? Leave a five-star rating on iTunes. GeekPod can be reached at contribute at geekpod.com or send us a tweet at geekpod. That's G33KPOD. You can also find GeekPod on Facebook and Instagram. G33KPOD. That's G33KPOD. <laughs>